morning is from the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 2, uh, it's page 268, 268 in your pew Bibles. Ruth chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 uh, to 12. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she is the Moabitess who came from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told about, all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Amen. He's like good. If anyone wants a colouring in sheet in the next 10, 15 minutes, just raise your hand. <laughs> Our Bible reading this morning was from the book of Ruth. I love the book of Ruth. It's short, only four chapters long, uh, so you can go home and read it uh, today if, it, if this whets your appetite. It's short and it's quite simple, but it's easy if you're just parachuting in for one message into the middle of the book to get a wee bit lost if you don't understand some of the backdrop and who's married to who and what happens. So I'm going to try and do something a wee bit difficult and give a brief um, kind of survey of what happened in chapter one before we come to chapter two. 
I feel as though I should have weighed back with this American accent to say previously on Ruth. Um, but we'll have to make do with me. So the story of Ruth, you'll have to forgive the dullness and my handwriting. Uh, but the story of Ruth starts with Elimelech and his wife Naomi. They live in Bethlehem in Judah and they have two boys, Malon and Kilion. Uh, now these are uh, dark and uh, difficult days in Judah and in Bethlehem and there is a famine that comes over uh, the land. So Elimelech, Naomi, Marlon and Kilion all take the decision in order to feed their family, to leave Bethlehem, to leave Judah and to head out into Moab. It's only about 50 miles from Bethlehem, Moab. Just 50 miles and yet it's a world away. A totally different culture, totally different environment, totally different food, Totally different, most importantly of all, totally different gods worshipped in Moab. But they have this stark choice of staying and risking starvation or becoming refugees and leaving for Moab. So they decide to up and to leave their hometown, uh, their home country, and to head to Moab. Whilst they are in Moab, uh, tragedy strikes this family, Elimelech dies, and so Naomi is left with her two boys, uh, Marlon and Kilion. Uh, I, I said at the children's talk, you know, there is a point which boys just think girls are the most boring things in the world. But then boys become young men and suddenly they think girls are the most captivating and interesting thing in the whole world. So that must have happened for Malon and Killian in Moab. They grew up, they become young men, they meet young women and they marry them. So they married Orpah and Ruth. Happy time I'm sure for the family but then tragedy strikes again as both of the boys die and Naomi is left with her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. Word filters through from Bethlehem at this point into Moab that the famine has finished. The famine is over in Bethlehem. And Naomi takes the decision that she is going to head back to her homeland. She's going to go back to Bethlehem. There's food there now. Her husband has gone, her boys have gone. Seems like the sensible decision for her to go home. And we have this uh, striking moment of kindness. You know, the whole story of Ruth takes, part, uh, takes place in the era of the judges. And the Bible describes that era as a very dark era in history. Uh, everyone did what is, was right in their own eyes, is how the Bible sums up the period of the Judges. And if you read the book of Judges just before Ruth, you'll see uh, people letting God down time and time again. You'll see war, you'll see conflict, you'll see backstabbing, you'll see betrayal. A very dark period in history. And yet in the midst of that darkness, 
much like we saw just a few moments ago, how aptly as we were singing that song about the light shining in the darkness, the light broke in. Even in the darkness of judges, there were rays of sunshine. And no ray shone brighter than Ruth. And actually in the whole book of Ruth, it's an amazing story because there's no baddie. When was the last time you read a story without a baddie in it? Everyone in Ruth comes out looking really good, comes out really well. Everyone shows kindness to one another. And as Naomi prepares to go back to her homeland, to go back to Bethlehem, her daughters-in-law show her real kindness, real concern, real compassion, because they take the decision that they are going to travel with Naomi back to Bethlehem. Now, they're still young women. They could marry again. They could put down fresh roots in their own land amongst their own people. And that is by far the most sensible and the safest option. That is what would have been expected of them, to stay in their own land, to stay in their own society, to marry again, to have children, and to get on with their lives. But they love Naomi, and they are determined to show their love and their kindness to her by traveling back to Bethlehem. But Naomi loves her daughters-in-law, and she is determined to be kind to them. So she says to them, girls, don't travel with me. It'll be dangerous for you. You're young women. Put down your roots in your own land. That's the safest option. Marry men from your own people. Uh, set up your home. Set up your families and stay here. And she prays for them. There's no better way to be kind to someone than to pray for them. She says, may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. That must have been a, a painful prayer for Naomi to pray. She, she remembers the wedding days. She remembers the marriage. But she knows that the safest option for her daughters-in-law is for them to stay and to marry again. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Orpah does stay. Naomi convinces her to stay in Moab. But Ruth is resolute. She is utterly determined to go with her mother-in-law, wherever she goes, to look after her, to be kind to her. The most famous verse probably in the book of Ruth, verse 16 of chapter 1, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. And so they journey together back to Bethlehem. They have no jobs. They have no husbands. And this is in a society, in a culture, where it is the man who provides for the family. They can't get a degree and provide for themselves. There are no benefits, there's no social security. This is a hard place to be. It's a dangerous place to be, especially for the outsider, especially for the Moabite, especially for Ruth. There is every possibility that she could be taken advantage of in her vulnerability. And you can imagine the gossip. Bethlehem's a very small town, actually. You can imagine the gossip as Ruth comes into the town. She's just here to steal her food. We're just getting ourselves back on our feet after the famine. 
and in comes this outsider to rob us of our food. Well, I heard she's just recently widowed. Maybe she's just here to steal one of our young men. She's not like us, that girl. Ruth asks Naomi for permission to go and to gather grain in someone's field. This is in the days before combine harvesters. I know nothing. I know we sing every harvest. We plough the fields and scatter. But we don't plough the fields and scatter. We go to Tesco, so I know nothing about farming. Uh, but it's in the days before combine harvesters, so the, the owner of the field would have servants who would go through and picking up the grain and doing whatever they have to do to harvest the crop. The crop. Uh, so Ruth asked for permission to go and to follow the people who are harvesting in case they leave anything behind. And actually, God gave his people rules for how they were to harvest. And the rules basically command God's people to be inefficient. That's a strange thing for God to command, isn't it? That seems very weird. It seems very wasteful. They were instructed not to harvest the corners of the field, and they were instructed if they dropped anything on the way, they weren't allowed to turn round and to pick it up. They had to leave it there. Why would God make such a strange commandment? Well, so that the poor and the vulnerable and the outsider could find food. That's why. It was commanded kindness. And it was indiscriminate kindness as well. It wasn't means tested. The food was just there. And if someone had need, they could go and they could collect it. They didn't have to fill out a form. They didn't have to convince people that they were worthy of the help. God just made provision for the needy to come and to receive. Deuteronomy 24, verse 19, when you are, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to it. Leave it for the alien. That's not the small green man variety. That's the foreigner, the refugee. Leave it for the alien, the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow. These are the vulnerable members of that society. Those who may not be able to provide for themselves. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Isn't that interesting? So God is saying, you remember what you were. You only have this stuff because I had mercy on you. I showed compassion and kindness on you. I reached out and redeemed you. I brought you out. I bought you back. So don't think of this stuff that you have as yours. Ultimately, it's mine. And when you think about the love and the compassion and the kindness that I have lavished on your lives, you be compassionate and kind and loving and generous too. Truth be told, I'm not sure that many people followed these commandments. But Boaz did. Boaz did. 
And his decision to follow that commandment, to be kind in that way, was to change his life. And it was to change Ruth's life. And it was to change the course of history itself. wonder what it would mean for us today. We, we don't plough the fields and scatter. We're not farmers. We're not under the old, that, the old covenant law, maybe under the, the moral law of the old covenant as Christians. The Lord has written that law into our hearts, but we're not under the civil law. So how do we kind of observe those principles? How do we act in that lavish way where we are indiscriminately kind to the outsider, to the marginalized, to the people that others overlook? Well, we support the Baptist Missionary Society. We support IREF. Quite a few of us, I know, support uh, Glasgow City Mission by volunteering with them. We have the food bank. Is there more that we could do? That should be a question that we are continually asking ourselves. Is there more that we could do, more that we should do as a church in this town? Is there more that we could do as individuals to help? Could we commit to give financially? Not just today in your BMS envelopes, as important as that is. Or could we commit to pray for one of these organizations, one of these agencies, more regularly than we do? Or perhaps to volunteer to serve? And what about on a very personal level? Are we showing that kind of kindness to others? To those who are marginalized, to those who are outsiders? Are we reaching out with the love of God to them? When people look at our lives, would they see something of the kindness of Boaz in us? Now, speaking of kindness, now that Deborah's gone, I can admit this, I'm not always very kind as a husband. Uh, we, we, we don't watch films very often, movies. Uh, we, when we do, they tend to be Toy Story 1 or Toy Story 2 or Toy Story 3 or Toy Story 4 uh, or, or Star Wars or something by Disney, Pixar. Very occasionally, myself and Deborah will be able to watch a film by ourselves. I must confess I'm not a big fan of the romantic comedy. So I try and avoid that at all costs. And I'm really not a good husband. I feel convicted. But even when we do watch a romantic comedy, I kind of make it my mission from the start to ruin it for Deborah because from the very beginning, I work out who's going to fall in love with who and who's going to marry who and how they're going to walk off into the sunset. And I say to Deborah within the first five minutes, he's going to marry her. And that'll be it. That's how it ends. Do we really need to watch it? We know how it ends already. Well, I'm going to do the same today. If you've not read the book of Ruth, I'm going to ruin it for you. I apologize. But Boaz ends up marrying Ruth. Boaz ends up marrying Ruth. They live happily together. There is another Old Testament law. Again, it's kind of tucked away in those books of the Old Testament that we don't see as very exciting, but it's actually very wonderful because it speaks to us of the character of God. Another Old Testament law that allows Boaz, as a member 
of Ruth's family, you might say, through Elimelech. It allows him to act as a kinsman redeemer, a family redeemer. It allows him to reach out and to rescue Ruth, who is in this terrible plight. Naomi knows this, and so she has this conversation with Ruth. She says to Ruth, look, he's going to be working in the threshing floor. It's hard work. He's going to need a sleep. So what I want you to do is I want you to have a shower or a bath, uh, put on your best dress, put on some nice perfume, go down to the threshing floor, hide away until Boaz falls asleep, and then you lie down at his feet and fall asleep there too. And uh, Ruth follows Naomi's instructions. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 8, Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet, exclamation mark, I'm sure he must have been. Who are you? He demanded. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. Isn't that a lovely phrase? Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. Redeemer, place your protection over me, for you are my kinsman, Redeemer. Who am I? I am an outsider, and I want you to bring me in. I want you to bring me into your heart, and I want you to bring me into your home. He rescues Ruth, and he marries Ruth. He never presumed that she would want to marry him. He actually thinks that she would want a younger man. He's quite a bit older, and he says he expected her to go for a younger man. So he doesn't presume that Ruth would want him. He doesn't take advantage of her in her vulnerability. But when Ruth makes clear how she feels about him, he welcomes her with open arms into the household, into his heart, into the family. And he follows the proper procedures of the day and they get married and they have a child. Ruth The Moabite, the foreigner, the outsider, becomes the great granny of King David. Isn't that amazing? And she becomes part of the family tree of Jesus himself. Boaz, in his kindness, in welcoming her from the outside into his household, into the family, in promising his protection, In providing for her out of his abundance, Boaz points forward to the greater kinsman redeemer, that is Christ Jesus. He became our kinsman by taking on flesh. God made man, God enfleshed, God born as a baby in Bethlehem, in Boaz's hometown. He became our kinsman. He became a human being, part of the human family. And he redeemed his people by dying in our place for our sins on the cross and by rising from death on the third day. Everyone who turns to him, everyone who trusts in him, everyone who says, as it were, spread the corner of your covering over me. I want to come under your protection. I want to be sheltered by your wings will be welcomed in. Once we were outsiders, 
Now we are part of the family of God. Now we can say with Jesus himself, Abba, Father. Once we were vulnerable, now we are safe. If God is for us, what can be against us? Even death itself cannot really harm us. Death is just the doorway to life in the Lord Jesus. Once, says Peter, we were not a people, now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Now we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession to proclaim the virtues of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Why? Because of the kindness of our God and because of the love of our kinsman, Redeemer, Jesus Christ. We see such kindness in the story of Ruth. Boaz is kind, Naomi is kind, Orpah is kind, and of course, Ruth herself is kind. But God is the king of kindness. And we see his kindness supremely in the sending of his son to become our kinsman redeemer. There is a redeemer, Jesus, God's own son. And that is the hymn that we close our time together by standing to sing.